You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. And welcome to For the Lore. We are coming to you on Monday, March 4th. This week, I am Vince in charge, and I'm joined by Marty and Joe. Uh, how you doing this week, guys? I bought a really expensive air compressor uh, air compressor for my airbrush for 50% off today because it was scratch and dent. Because uh, if an air compressor is scratched or dented. <laughs> it, you know, that's the thing. Like The box was damaged, and I'm sitting there I'm like, wait a minute, so literally I get this $120 air compressor for 40 bucks. Fuck that noise, gimme. That's pretty slick. Today I celebrated uh, the uh, holiday for one of the greatest Americans of the American Revolutionary War, one of the greatest Americans of all time, father of the American cavalry, Casimir Palat. So you're welcome. That was pretty great. Yeah, I just sat back and played video games all day. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah it's i got to do the same thing with um but because it's a court holiday god bless casimir pulaski that's all i have to say yeah but can you say his name in polish that's that's the question y'all know i can barely speak english <laughs> oh my god <goodness. laughs> Well, on the subject of made-up words, let's get to this week's big news story, and that was the reveal of the new Pokemon game coming out, I believe they said late 2019, for the Nintendo Switch, which will make this, if I'm not mistaken, the first core Pokemon game, not for, well, the Switch is still a handheld, but not a purely handheld format. There, there we go. Although I guess there is the GameCube Advance thingy, but... Yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't get too much news about what the actual game itself is going to represent, other than it's a new Pokemon game with a new region, new trainer battles, new Pokemon to go out there and capture and collect and do all the Pokemon things with. It looks very nice. It's obviously going to be the best-looking Pokemon game we've seen uh, with continuing to uh, upgrade their art style and, of course, having the extra hardware on the Nintendo Switch. It just... It feels so much bigger just because of that, even though, at the end of the day, it's still going to be that perfect, simple Pokemon formula that just friggin' works. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. Like, um, my nephew is really into Pokemon. Like, he's been teaching his, I don't know how old his grandmother is. His, you know, my sister-in-law's mom, not my mom, uh, to play. And so now, like, I really have a good way into buying a Switch because now I get to be like, <laughs> we get to play Pokemon and they can come over here and they both love it. Also, Sobble is a huge internet hit and everyone wants to defend that poor timid water pokemon well and that leads right into the next question who's going to be your starter we have the 
Scorbunny the Fire Bunny. Yes, uh, Grookey the Grass Monkey, and Sobble the Sad Pokemon. Give me the sad Pokemon any day of the weekend, twice on Sunday. <laughs> Torchic was pretty great. That was, um... Was that the one with the, the alligator as the water Pokemon? Yeah, Totodile was my starter in that game. I'll probably be going with the monkey in this one, just because I can't handle sad Pokemon, and that, that rabbit's got too much energy for me, so there we go. <laughs> it's it's going to be like those old... Uh, Tony Atlas ads in the back of the comics where he's all sad and depressed at the beginning and by the end he's well Don't internalize your depression, externalize your sadness so you can be angry. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's healthier. <laughs> and yeah, that's all they really announced. But of course, it's a new Pokemon game. People are going crazy with extracting every little frame of the video. But I, I actually came up with an interesting thought. And that's the last couple generations of Pokemon games, after they stopped naming them after colors... The names have actually kind of indicated what we can expect from the gameplay, with X and Y, of course, X and Y being chromosomes. The main gameplay mechanic that was added in that game was the Mega Evolutions. And then we saw with Sun and Moon that the day-night cycle was a very important part of that game. So with Sword and Shield, what can we expect? Possibly different stances, offense and defense, tag team battles with a tank and a DPS? I don't know, but... I have a feeling that it's going to be something along those lines. literally going on quests to go fight dragons yeah i mean the island looks like like kind of definitely inspired by you know the united kingdom which you know i won't hold it against the game <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Pokemon Republic of Ireland is not on there. Pokemon Ulster is, which is fine. Uh, let's let's not get into the troubles because we're gonna go down like some weird like Pokemon Brexit bullshit, which nobody. <laughs> I, I think I'll just close us with the thought that you know what, sad lizard Pokemon is probably the most British thing they could put in the game. Right. <laughs> The next big news thing that we have coming this week is the new Destiny season starts tomorrow, Marty? Tomorrow. Oh, my God, you guys. You've been going I lost, nuts. <laughs> I lost my shit uh, Thursday when they released the um, <clears throat> the vid doc, and we get to see what we're doing, the season of the Drifter. Uh, I was just talking with one of our Discord friends about the lore snippets that are leading up to it today. Uh, excuse me, to tomorrow, and there's an implication that um, Drifter somehow worked with Aldrin or the Forsaken uh, Barons to help kill Cade's ghost or to give them a ghost-killing bullet. Like, there's some weird shit going on, and it's phenomenal. Um, I think the biggest takeaway we can have if I'm just going to distill everything is that destiny will introduced introduced will introduce its first choice where it's something actually matters in choice wise. Uh, the allegiance quest previously forecast as Joker's wild will invite you to choose between the Vanguard and drifter pick a side to progress to the, their quest from their perspective. Uh, once you pledge you're stuck um, in that role period. Uh, so my whole fire team is talking about like we we're all leveling alts right now to ensure that we can do both. Um, and I don't know where we're going with that. It's like, there's some weird stuff going on with this idea that there's some things in the destiny universe that, uh, can only be fought by dark powered things and De destiny's guardians are all light powered. So it's going to be, like Laura Palooza for this uh, season. And uh, they brought out Luke Smith, which we haven't seen him in a long while. Uh, he has not said anything since the Activision deal split. So this is, seems to be like a big setup for the next big patch of destiny, but they're also just dumping in more exotics, more lore and letting drifter fill the, the rogue role that Cade did, but without any of the uh, morality that Cade had. Man, I could talk about this for forever, but we just need to know, like, we're going to be picking between the Vanguard and the Drifter. And uh, looks like, uh, I don't know. I have no idea how that's going to roll. So what sort of gameplay activities are tied to this? Because I know last season was all about the forges. Is there anything specific they're doing with this season? Yeah, that's a solid question. What we're going to be doing is uh, there is two new uh, Gambit-related modes. Gambit Prime, which is going to be like a another horde mode, but it's uh, your fire team versus like a never-ending uh, stream of Taken. Uh, and Gambit, uh, and then the Reckoning, which is another activity that they haven't discussed as much and then there's going to be some changes to the gambit gameplay 
namely that if it's a tied match, it'll be a sudden death, sort of burn the primeval down. Whoever does it fastest wins, which will make it a little bit faster uh, in terms of getting to your next Gambit match. Uh, Gambit Prime is going to be prepping people for the Reckoning, and they're introducing... Um, some new perks and some new armor that will change the way Gambit is played, including an armor set that will shut down the uh, uh, the bank, basically, your bank of moats, or will add the ability to have a 20-moat uh, blocker to be sent. So if you've never played Gambit, you get blockers at 5, 10, and 15, and uh, they're all going to be changed come tomorrow. But right now, the max is 15, and it drops a Taken Ogre, which is stupid easy to kill. And so this armor set will give you a Moat 20. Um, then there's going to be another armor set that lights up the invaders, and then there's going to be another an invader armor set that uh, gives you a better shield and more ammo when you jump over to the other side. So, yeah, I th- there's something else, too, I think I really think that the big thing is going to be this uh, weekly quest perspective thing where they're going to ma- let us choose between Vanguard and the Drifter. I think that's going to be the big thing. Um, there's also a big reveal that like the Drifter is and was one of the shadows of Yor. He's not the Dredge in Yor, but he is one of the people that made all those copies of Thorn and flooded the crucible with weapons of sorrow which is a thing that if you are hooked and played in destiny one this is something that you probably ran into if you did the crucible at all someone killed you with thorn so that's actually interesting that they rolled that into the lore right well we see uh the emissary of the nine call uh drifter dredgen and he's like nope it's drifter now i'm done with that stuff uh it's Oh, yeah, there's going to be they're focusing on changing Gambit. So it's more team based, but by giving you an armor set and then stuff that lights up. So you don't need to talk to everybody to know what your role is going to be, which is super sweet. I know it's not going to be the same thing and people are just going to wear the the like the armor that they think looks coolest. But there's actually like, no, if you're an invader, you're supposed to wear this color. So. uh hmm. Gambit Prime is, yeah, I wrote it. My notes are here. I couldn't find them. So, but yeah, uh, the Reckoning is the Horde mode. Gambit Prime is a one mu- one match Gambit game where you just go out and kill the Primeval, but it's much harder. And uh, the fiction that Bungie has released over the past couple of days is all about Gambit Prime. And that Drifter is saying that this is the game he really wanted to put out, but he had to do Gambit first to see if he could do it. And there's permadeath of guardians involved in Gambit Prime and its launch, which is a pretty big deal. So, I'm assuming that's permadeath in lore. <laughs> permadeath in lore, not like yeah, yeah, you were not playing <laughs> Destiny in hardcore mode. Man, that would suck so much. <laughs> but you know, people would do it. I wouldn't like. I, no, I would be interested in seeing that. Not doing it, but seeing it. I would watch it. So yeah, it's a uh, oh. We're, like, yeah, this is all about Drifter. And whereas with 801, the lore was kind of light and the forges like were released over time, there still will be stuff released over time, but we are spending a lot of time on the Drifter ship 
And basically uh, what they said in the vid doc is we're going to log in day one, go do Gambit Prime, go do the Reckoning, and then come back and start working on this uh, this quest. So, and, and I think I think I'd seen something that they're uh, implementing some mechanics where you can actually do the content on day one now, because <laughs> that was that was yeah. a big problem with the forges where the the required item level was essentially unreachable at the time that it initially launched. Yeah, if you weren't max light uh, at the time of the content drop, you are shit out of luck. Uh, now they're giving you the ability to. Uh, just raise your light level or raise your item, which is great for my alts, but my main is 650. So I'm ready to roll. I know, right? This is, <laughs> yeah. All right. So cool stuff there. Is that, that wrap us up? That, yes. I, again, I know you could time. keep going, but right? is there any, are there any other bullet points that we need to touch on? Like we could spend just 20 minutes talking about wait a minute, Drifter and the Nine? But we don't need to go there yet. Like, maybe if we ever go back to, like, the Destiny 2 lore stuff, we'll go back to, like, what the fuck is Drifter doing talking to the Nine? But that's all. You see, y'all will see me starside in the Crucible, in Gambit, and on Drift. All right, cool stuff. Last week, I had talked about Path of Exile and how... Their new season is launching at the end of this week. Tomorrow is the very important patch note day where everybody's going to start theory crafting their builds for the upcoming season. But that's not the only ARPG that we want to be talking about right now. Joe, there's a Warhammer one coming, right? Oh, oh, yes, there is uh, one that I did not know existed until I posted the thing. I am super excited now. It is Warhammer Chaos Bane, or as I like to call it, what Diablo should have been. Uh, basically, it's set in the Warhammer fantasy world, not in the Age of Sigmar world. It's during the end times. Uh, it is that total vibe of going into like a, you know, chaos infested area and fighting through uh, all of the different minions of each of the four chaos gods, uh, which, you know, if anybody who's not familiar with the lore uh, is a god of excess, a god of plague, a god of murder and a god of change. Uh, so their minions are all over the place from like weird bird people uh, to basically walking, eating skull things to festering piles of like putrid trees to titty demons, because why the hell not? Um, but it's all over the place. And they're going to have four classes at the start. Um, I believe one is your stereotypical elf ranger. One is your elf mage. Um, one is basically your human like guardsman type deal. And then you have what I'm going to be playing, which is the Dwarf Slayer. And why everybody... bother with the other three? <laughs> exactly. Why would you bother with anything else? <laughs> well, here's like, that's like Diablo going, okay, here's what we're going to have. We're going to have the Blacksmith. We're going to have Wirt. We're going to have Deckard Kane and uh, the Barbarian. So which one do you want to play? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but here's the thing. Each of them have some very unique things. And one of the cool things that they added into this is what they call right stick control. So every class has signature spells, which we're used to. Like, that's sort of a normal thing in these sort of ARPG things. But, like, the wizard is a great example. Uh, you can summon a hailstorm, and then you can move that hailstorm independently from where you move the rest of your body by using your mouse or your right analog stick. Every class has an ability like this so that you're not just, like, left in place or, like, you place a spell and then, well, things move out of it. No, you can fucking chase shit down. 
and like reposition your most powerful spell so you don't fucking waste it. Because I don't know about you, but like when I was playing Diablo 3 and I had like those super awesome spells that had super high like cooldown time, I tended not to use them very often mm -hmm. and save them for when I needed them with elite packs and shit like that. This encourages you to fucking use them. And that's a big bonus in my book. So I'm I'm in the aesthetic is is still that sort of like grim dark fantasy thing going on, which is which is great. But I'm I'm really digging this. And everybody who's like picked it up and like, oh, it's just gonna be another Diablo clone, blah, blah, blah. Everybody I've seen who's reviewed it or had time with it so far has instantly fallen in love with it because it feels familiar enough, but still different in its own way and brings enough uniqueness to it that even if you're not interested in the IP, but you just like these type of games, there's something here for you. And if you are interested in the IP, like I am, as I stare at the thousands of dollars I've spent on little plastic army men that I push around the table, uh, <laughs> this is like fucking crap. And I am so here for this to the point where I'm considering actually ordering the Magnus edition, which is $80 and comes with all the bells and whistles because everything I see about this just makes me turgid. Yeah, I'm watching the like the trailer for it. It looks pretty damn cool. Yeah. And corpse explosion physics, because why the fuck not? Yeah, of course. But that's not all, because there's also another game coming out this month, and that it well, not game, but expansion for Grim Dawn, the Forgotten Gods expansion. Joe, you played Grim Dawn, right? Yes, yes, I did quite excessively. Yes, as did I. I really enjoy their twist on the traditional Diablo formula. And you can move the fucking camera. Oh my God. <laughs> That's twist enough. Glorious. <laughs> but a lot of the other fun stuff they did, like exploration, was super important in Grim Dawn. Uh, like the devotion stuff with the constellations. And of course, just the entire class system was a blast. So Forgotten Gods is taking place in a, a desert-type uh, biome here, which is a big departure from what we saw in Grim Dawn and the first expansion, Ashes of Mallmouth, which was very much traditional fantasy, or dark fantasy at the very least, uh, undead, demons, that sort of stuff. And this is a very different look and feel. Don't know exactly what the Forgotten Gods represent, except that they sound like Dr. Claw. But I'm, I'm interested for them to, to, to reach out, try new things. They showed, like, down in, like, the pits of the earth and lava and, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Don't know much about what to expect from the story at this point, but, I mean, it's an ARPG. <laughs> the, uh, the, the original Grim Dawn had a story. It was interesting, but nothing uh, that terribly in-depth. But uh, Grim, uh, Forgotten Gods is seeming like it's going to be a little smaller, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, uh, crate entertainment not that great with their development schedules so this one was announced a year ago and it's finally now just coming out they said march possibly towards the end of the month which would be a good time because that's just going to be when the initial fervor of the new path of exile season is dying down and like hey look new arpg <laughs> it's uh, i it's exactly what i'm gonna do i'm gonna play path of exile for like three weeks and then i'm gonna play grim dawn for a while <laughs> New stuff they have coming in here, the Shattered Realm is a new, like, endless dungeon mode. This is something they kind of 
messed around with previously with what was it the, the crucible which is like an arena horde mode style gameplay whereas this seems to be more along the lines of like uh, diablo rifts and stuff like that and the new mastery that they're bringing in the oath keeper which is a paladin style class but what's cool about Grim Dawn is adding one mastery, as they call them to the game, doesn't increase the amount of playable options by one. When you create your class in Grim Dawn, it's by combining two different masteries together. So the Oathkeeper will be the ninth mastery that they're adding to the game, which means by adding that one, they're adding eight more gameplay options because you can be an Oathkeeper Inquisitor, an Oathkeeper Necromancer, an Oathkeeper Shaman. It, it, the list goes on and on, and they're all going to have very significant changes on how you actually play the game based on how you level their passive trees and how they interact with each other. It's one of the things I adored about Grim Dawn. I could not tell you how many different characters I made just trying to find that one combination that really worked for me. And uh, one of the other things that Grim Dawn does that's really interesting is that the skills are not based just on your character choices. Like your, your passive skill trees unlock skills. Uh, the, the constellations that you can devote yourself to will give you different skills. A number of the core skills of the game are actually tied to your equipment. You get a pair of pistols that give you the, like, the fireball spell, essentially. Stuff like that. And what they're doing here is they're finally adding in movement skills. So stuff like leaps, teleports, dashes, uh, all that stuff. I think they said there's 50 of them that they're adding in, which is kind of insane. And they're going to be on uh, runes, essentially, that you can attach to your uh, medallion, your like uh, neck uh, piece of equipment. So it's, gonna, it's not something that you're going to have to worry about too much with you're always going to have your movement skill choice available, essentially, and it's not going to be tied to your class. Whereas in Diablo, you can only leap if you're a barbarian. No, if you want to be a wizard with the leaping into battle, you can absolutely do that in Grim Dawn, and I want to see somebody do that. <laughs> and it's just more, more, more is what we're seeing here, and I'm really excited to get back into this game. I haven't touched it in, God, when did Ashes of Mawmoth come out? Like two and a half years ago? So, yeah. It's a, a great game. I would in, encourage anybody to check out and fun stuff coming from Grim Dawn. I think we're going to set aside some ARPG goodness. <laughs> and uh, Joe, you found something interesting about, is it only a mobile game or is it, it does it exist elsewhere? Which, which one? The Plague Inc. So that exists elsewhere. And Okay, uh, I've, I've played it on my phone. I just didn't know if it was also on other platforms. I so, thought it's a Steam. I think I've it, seen it on Steam. It is, and it's funny you should mention Steam because we're going to talk about this, and then I'm going to go back to Steam because today was hilarious. <laughs> uh, so Plague Inc., uh, after being petitioned, uh, and I think hilariously slow, has added anti-vaxxers as one of the variables in their game that make your plague stronger because fucking science so they they got the petition they said yeah okay we know what we're gonna fucking do it so not only is it in uh plague inc it's coming out for the board game as a little expansion as well um mobile game console game steam game all of them have it uh the digital versions got it today as a matter of fact uh, i think it's hysterical i think it's actually great and i think that it is amazing calling attention to this new plague of anti-vaxxers uh, and if you disagree with me, whatever, fuck you, I don't want to hear it. 
Now, the hilarity is in Steam reviews, because we all know what happens when young people <laughs> feel threatened. They decide that they're going to tank everything in Review City. So we've had nothing but, like, down votes all day today about, why would you do this? Why why would you deny science? And blah, 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 blah. And, like, it's turned into, the, like, this thing where, like, the anti-vaxxers are coming out of the fucking woodwork. I didn't think there would be that many anti-vaxxers on Steam. Neither did I, but apparently I was wrong. Sort of like how I didn't think there were that many flat earthers, but well, here we are. Like, this is, God, it, it blows my mind and makes me want to buy copies of this game for people just to piss those people off. So yeah, if you haven't played Plague Inc., you should probably consider playing it because, well, it's hilarious because your job is to create a plague that takes over the world. Do it. But yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's great. And Plague Inc. does one of those things that I talk about a lot on the show, and that's emergent story, where the gameplay is literally the story of the game, because it's going to be different every time you play it based on random factors and choices that you make. And this is just adding another layer to the story of your game. There's no lore for you're a disease, go kill everybody. <laughs> but the, the 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 story of the game comes through the mechanics, the choices that you make, the, the cities that get taken over, the ones that get cured. And that this adds a hilarious and all too accurate wrinkle to this, which Plague Inc. is already a little on the disturbing, kind of almost too real side, but it's also a fun game. So we kind of let it pass. <laughs> but this is... It's brilliant. I love it. It's just also, God, why? Why is this a thing? <laughs> this is something they could not have come up with as a fictional game designer, I don't think. No, I just don't think people are like, yeah, like one of the greatest advances that science has ever given us is the elimination of diseases because of vaccines. Why would anybody willfully ignore science and want to bring back something like, I don't know, measles? Or chicken. Or, oh my God, we're all going to die. This is... Uh. <laughs> all right. Let's get off of we're all going to die. Because uh, we're all going to die, but just on a different planet. <laughs> we learned this week that Funcom has entered into a six-year agreement with Legendary Entertainment to produce up to three new video games based on the Dune franchise. Dune franchise is, of course, coming through a great resurgence right now with Denis Villeneuve working on his new Dune films with, I think, literally everybody has been casting them at this point, but it's Dune. You do need, like, a billion actors for all the main roles. Right. Jason Momoa will be playing the part that Patrick Stewart played, right? I um, don't know. They, Dave Batista is the Beast Robon, which is fucking brilliant. Jesus <laughs> um yeah just i need to reread dune it's been like 10 years but ugh. I, I will say the audiobooks are excellent noted <laughs> anyway uh back to the game part of this podcast uh yeah <laughs> we we don't know anything too much about them but they did say one of them will be an open world multiplayer game so coming from Funcom Entertainment, one of their most recent big hits was, of course, Conan Exiles, an open-world survival multiplayer game. And you'd have to try really hard to come up with a better setting for a survival game than fucking Arrakis. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a great fit. I'm actually super excited to see what they do. And I, 
I'm not big on playing survival games, but I don't know. I I might be interested if running away from goddamn sandworms is an important part of this one. Well, you got to walk without rhythm. Remember that. But, <laughs> but I, I, I'm in for this one too because there's been so many failed like liftoff attempts for Dune games in the past that I've been waiting for a Dune game for I don't know since 1989. Like I've wanted one so badly and. I'm okay with survival games for the most part. This is just crazy. Like, give me, give me a survival game set on Arrakis. Give me, let me run around with the fucking Fremen. Let me ride a goddamn sandworm if I can, like, craft the level. Because, like, one of my problems I had with Ark wasn't necessarily that Ark was a bad game. I just didn't have any attachment to it. So I didn't have anything beyond, I like dinosaurs, they're pretty, to really keep me invested in it. I'm not going to have that problem here. I'm sitting here looking at the books on my shelf that I have multiple copies of because I have read them so much that they are falling the fuck apart. Like, this is me. Like, I'm in. Like, I will absolutely 110% be trying to, like, manage my water and making sure that the water goes back to the tribe when one of my friends dies. Like, I'm, I'm about this. Yeah. I just, I, I'm interested to see what else they're going to do with the franchise, but that's a great starting point. Like, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's probably going to be like grand strategy or some sort of like warring houses sort of game. But yeah, survival on Arrakis is such a no brainer. There's no way they're going to fuck this up. <laughs> and then closing out this week, we got a little bit of exciting news about Star Wars, Joe. Well, exciting and interesting. So EA has had this sort of stranglehold on the Star Wars IP for a very, very long time. And there's this interesting infographic going around that shows all of the games that came out while LucasArts was in control. And then all of the games that have come out in the time that EA has had control of it. <laughs> and a grand total of like two, three games have come out since they've gotten it. Well, anyway. So depressing. <laughs> we now got a glimpse of what might happen when other studios get involved. Now, Respawn Entertainment... Well, they're not exactly slouches in the, this sort of game world. Anybody remember Titanfall? Those are good games. Apex they just came out with something recently, didn't they? A, little, a small little indie game? Oh, yeah. Super small little indie game that's taken it up by Storm Apex Legends, which even if you're not a fan of Battle Royale games, the movement and gunplay in that game is super fucking fun. I'm not a fan of Battle Royale games. I fucking love Apex Legends. Right? Right? Like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm, I'm not, like, I like Fortnite and stuff like that, that's fun, it's it's cartoony, it's it's entertaining, I like doing the challenges, but one problem that I have with a lot of games is gunplay, and gunplay feels bad in a lot of them, it does not feel bad in Respawn Entertainment games, they fucking nail that shit, so now we get to see what they're going to come up with, and I'm hoping it's going to be something like Titanfall, like in that sort of sweeping campaign with an over-the-top story set in the fucking universe of Star Wars. Now, if it's a Star Wars Battle Royale game, I'll fucking lose my goddamn mind. I will probably <laughs> rip through somebody's window. Not really. I'm not that violent, but like I'll lose my goddamn mind. But if they give me a game with a campaign, a solid campaign with the gunplay and the polish that I know Respawn is capable of and gives me a, like a, a universe that I can explore and feel at home in, I'm going to be excited. Like, we don't know anything about We don't know anything about it. We don't even know a fucking title. We don't know when it's coming out. We just know it's happening. I thought we knew a title. I thought it was, like, Fallen Order or something like that. Fallen Order. I thought that was the 
working it title, but might not be a working part. title. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, it's coming out. Uh, we'll get more information at Star Wars Celebration in my hometown. Mm -hmm. uh, I think wait, April 11th. Uh, but yeah, the title that's being referred to as so it just may be the working title is, you know, Fallen Order. It's been in development since 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, and the direct, the, the pedigree of people involved in this game is through the fucking roof. Like, and I was a fan of Titanfall and Titanfall 2. It's uh, the gameplay was great. Remind, they made jumping yeah. fun right <laughs> right oh yeah and not to not to forget titanfall 2 had one of the best story campaigns in any shooter ever mm -hmm. like easily top three in oh, yeah. history like up there with half-life uh it, just unfortunately that not that many people played it because titanfall 1 did not have a great deal of success but you know apex legends is tearing up like was it 50 million players last i heard and in, they're putting out a star wars game people are going to buy a star wars game we can assume it's going to be quality so this is definitely going to be good for respawn uh bumping up their visibility to gamers where because before they were yeah they were the the call of duty guys that don't do call of duty anymore and it was a little weird during the titanfall years so it, it, i'm happy for them to finally be getting a lot of praise and then Give us a proper Titanfall three. Uh, you know what? You know if I and I, I never thought I'd say this. If I don't get a Titanfall three, but instead I get a bunch of Star Wars games made by them, I'm not going to complain. It's going to be one of those things where they make a bunch of other stuff, and people are like, "What about Titanfall three? What about Titanfall three? What about Titanfall 3? And then eventually they they are going to announce Titanfall three, and everybody's going to love them for it. Oh yeah, and forget about the fact that they never played the first one. <laughs> you don't have to play the first one. It's okay. But you should. You should play yeah. the second. You should play the you second. Play the but second like, one. Again, like it's a I fun I just game. Saw, I think it's like seven fifty on GMG right now or something. You can find it on sale all the time, stupidly cheap. There's no reason not to try it or play it at this point. But that said, uh, like that's why we're excited about this in particular is because that pedigree is there, and you know it's not EA. I can't drive that home enough. Uh, and I just, it's an exciting time. It really, really is. <laughs> so lots of cool stuff coming out on in the near future on the horizon. Pick your Pokemon, be your sad lizard. If you want to be, I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. That's going to wrap us up here this week. You can find this episode, our show notes, and so, so much more on our website at ForTheLore.com or follow us on Twitter for updates at ForTheLore. You can follow us individually. Roger, who unfortunately could not be here this week, is at Zen Buddhist. Marty is at Officer Gleason. Joe is at LoaderZJ. And I am at Simodian. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Good show, guys. Sad Roger wasn't here. I really wanted to argue with him about Pokemon. <laughs> he was really <laughs> defensive about his Pokemon, too. He really is. Oh, I can't wait for him to start editing this. Yeah, well, I, that's why I put it in at the end. So he has yeah. to get all the way through the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that's the outro. These numbnuts are still talking. What's going on? So by the time he gets here, he's going to be, he's probably, pro my, my, my working theory is he's going to be too lazy to go back or too, like, through with it to go back and, like, edit me out. Lazy like a Snorlax. <laughs> I thought that I was in heaven, but I was sure 
Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.